You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and thanks for listening. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to go round the league with Nate Burleson of NFL Network and get your fantasy fix with Brittingham T from Roto Radar. Brian, let's kick off the podcast today with the news of Ezekiel Elliott's appeal being upheld as Skylar Dixon from the AP joins us. Skylar, we appreciate you taking the time, and let's start by hearing from Giants head coach Ben McAdoo, here's what he had to say yesterday about the Cowboys' muddled running back situation. Listen, uh, you know, our focus is on preparing for Dallas, and, you know, all backs run the same when there's nowhere to run. So that our goal is, is to do our job and, and be prepared to stop the run. And, uh, you know, if, if he's playing, then great. If he's not, then that's great. We're going to play who, whoever suits up for him. So we know Ezekiel Elliott will be able to play on Sunday night when the Cowboys take on the Giants. Skyler, have any Cowboy players reacted to what Ben McAdoo had to say? Uh, no, the Cowboys are pretty good about uh, steering clear of that kind of stuff. Uh, they, I think they're well trained on the bulletin board material front. <laughs> they tend to uh, uh, fall back into we'll see what happens on the field Sunday. <laughs> Skyler, when you look at how this team is, has been able to go out and play on a consistent basis, whether it's with Tony Romo or now with Dak Prescott. It all started with the offensive line. But Dak Prescott has truly come in and, and played some tremendous football in his first year with no one assuming that he would ever have a chance to play. Do you think people are discrediting what he's done because of how good the offensive line is as well as how uh, Ezekiel Elliott was running the ball? I think uh, people are beginning to understand that he's something special, uh, that it goes beyond – uh, the blockers in front of him and, you know, the, the running back he can hand off to to make his life easier. I think uh, people can appreciate uh, that he takes care of the ball, uh, that his decision-making uh, so far in the NFL has been very, very good. Uh, and there's little glimpses of that throughout his rookie year, uh, things that he did that are sort of beyond uh, his years, if you will, as a rookie. And I do think uh, there's sort of a growing appreciation for that. Talking Cowboys with Skylar Dixon from the Associated Press. Skylar, once we get beyond the season opener, if in fact Ezekiel Elliott has to sit for the following six games, how do you think the offense will operate without him due to the suspension? Well, they're going to tell you that it doesn't change at all, game plan or anything else. Um Darren McFadden is option number one. That that seems pretty clear based on the way they handled things in the preseason. And he's proven that he can be the main guy. I, I don't think they'll use language like bell cow back with him the same way you would with Elliott. Uh, there may be a little bit more of Alfred Morris, maybe even a little bit of Rod Smith, uh, just based on the really good uh, preseason that he had. But I think the Cowboys are going to stick to what they do, which is, try to control the game through the running game with that offensive line uh, and using uh, Dak Prescott, you know, as, as the guy to get them down the field through the air when necessary. I do think there could be a little bit more Dak to Des, and that has as much to do with Des Bryant and, and Dak Prescott being together for a full year as anything else. When you look at this defense by Coach Marinelli, I mean, last year they played really good. I think they were fifth overall when it came down to it. I didn't see it. Because you you saw more times when this defense would have a 
an offense pent back or they were long in distance uh, situations that they would come out because it seemed like he takes his foot off the pedal for as the pressure is concerned. He all of a sudden become lackadaisical and only rush three guys sometimes. Do you think that's going to change or that's just his approach because he's really not a blitz, a blitzing type defensive coordinator? Yeah, I think he is. He is more base type. Uh, you know, with the play calling, uh, I think that you know he's had defenses that uh, uh, that put a lot of pressure on the quarterback and forced a lot of turnovers. But I, I think they've generally done it. You know, with traditional rushes without a lot of fancy stuff. Um, and I do think that's his approach. And I agree with your impression that the stats kind of, you know, they they're they're a little bit uh, misleading. And I think it's because it's a defense that just didn't make a lot of plays. You know, there just weren't a lot of game-changing plays. Yeah, they they were decent in scoring offense. Uh, they were, you know, good against the run. They didn't give up a 100-yard rusher all year. But, you know, they they never really seemed to jump off the page. Um, and I think that's, that's what they're trying to change. I, the, the drafting that they did, particularly in the secondary, I believe they did because they – they saw these guys as potential playmakers. They're very young, and, and we can't really say anything about that until we see them. But I do think that they believe that some of these young guys can show a little bit in terms of playmaking, uh, and I think they're hopeful of that, even though several of these young corners missed a lot of training camp with injuries. Then we know they're replacing three-quarters of the starting secondary from a year ago. Skyler Dixon is our guest on the NFL on Tuner. Tune in. Skyler, let's dig deeper on defense. David Irving suspended for the first four games of the season. Who are the Cowboys hoping could step up and fill that void by getting to the quarterback? I think right now it starts with Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, I think they would sort of hope it might be a breakout year for him. He's been in the in the league a few years now. He's been slowed by back injuries. He's apparently healthy. Uh, and so with these other guys missing – you know, I think he sort of tops the list uh, of guys that, that they hope uh, can be that kind of a difference maker, you know, a double-digit sack kind of guy. Obviously, they're going to be looking at Taco Charlton. I think we all are because that's the first-round draft pick. Even though it's late first round, you know, that was their choice uh, in terms of making an investment to try and improve the pass rush. And they've been trying in the draft for several years. Uh, they just haven't gotten that guy – uh, that can be the big difference maker yet. There's still time for Lawrence, obviously. And Charlton did not have a great preseason, but, you know, who knows, maybe things change once you turn, turn the lights on in the regular season. Skylar, when you look with the, throughout the division and you see what the New England, not New England, when you've seen what the Philadelphia Eagles, excuse me, have done when talking about LeGarrette Blunt, Alshon Jeffries, uh, you see Carson Wentz coming back with, I think with a second year of experience, probably play a little bit better. You see what they've done on offense by adding Brandon Marshall there with the Giants. Uh, do you see there being more parity in this division with those three teams? And do you still think that the Dallas Cowboys, without Ezekiel Elliott potentially not playing within the next few weeks, do they still? and also some of the losses you have on the defensive side, do you think they still have enough to be able to compete to win, win that division? I do. I think if I were to, to pick it, I'd, I'd make the Cowboys a slight favorite. You know, one of the things that sort of tips in their favor when it wasn't really looking that way uh, is that they have Elliott for week one, and it's looking more and more like uh, Odell Beckham won't be there for the Giants. If he will be, it, it'll be somewhat limited. So, you know, obviously we were thinking the other way around on that three or four weeks ago, and so you're thinking, well, that's a tough one for the Cowboys. It still is. 
you know, if they don't get that win, then I think, you know, that makes it that much more difficult. But if, if they do get the opening win, even if they lose Elliott, you know, I think that they can tread water well enough uh, to be in a position to win the division again. And I, and I do think it is a pretty even division. I mean, I think you could make arguments for all four teams uh, that there's at least promise as the season starts. Skyler, last one for me, considering that Dak Prescott rose up from being number three on the depth chart to become the starter due to injuries. Are you surprised the Cowboys didn't do more to address their backup quarterback situation? I don't want to go wild based on preseason takeaways, but Kellen Moore did not look great. No, but that's where the Cooper Rush thing is very interesting. Um, You know, he was really good in the preseason. He was just about as good in the preseason as Dak Prescott was last year. It's just different circumstances. So, you know, there's not the same stakes involved, and he's not going to have to be the guy, at least we don't think right away. Um, But I think he surprised a lot of us. I don't know how much he surprised the Cowboys. You know, they would – they would tell you that they they saw a little something in in him, and that's why they brought him in. Uh, but conceivably, the top two quarterbacks on the depth chart they haven't said who the backup technically is yet. But conceivably, the top two could be two quarterbacks with one year of experience between them, and and that's pretty unusual. It would sp- it would speak a little bit to how they feel about Cooper Rush, but also they've got Kellen Moore kind of in the back pocket as an insurance policy, even though, as you said. He didn't look great in the preseason, and he might have shaken the confidence of the franchise a little bit in terms of whether he can be that winning quarterback if Prescott goes down. Skyler, as always, we appreciate the insights. Thanks for giving us a few minutes again today on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, you guys take care. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Tune in puts you on the sidelines for the 2017 college football season free all year long. With college football on TuneIn, hear the home and away calls from more than 100 schools live, regular season matchups and rivalry games, conference championships and bowl games, the college football playoff in January. You can listen to it all for free. At home, on campus, or in rival territory, hear the excitement and pageantry of college football all season long, free on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL no huddle the podcast Cornell let's break down today's top stories with Nate Burleson from NFL Network Nate thanks so much for taking the time can I take some credit for your tremendous broadcasting career because I'm going to take you back to years ago you may not remember it was the middle of the night three o'clock local time in Southern California when I was working on NFL AM and you joined us on the couch while you were still playing I, listen, I appreciate that. What, what, what do you need? How much do I owe? <laughs> I just want 10% after your agent gets 10%. But, Nate, great to see oh, you man. doing right, so well man, on I NFL. I anytime soon if i got to pay you. Then. Well, you but, got 19 no, jobs. Do, you got, you got 19 I, jobs now, so welcome to the, how it works in sports media. All right, let, let's get into the Ezekiel Elliott football conversation. We know he's going to play in the season opener on Sunday Night Football against the Giants. If he has to miss the next six games, how do the Cowboys fare without him? You know, I, I have so much faith in that offensive line that I feel like they'll be okay. They, you know, it's kind of dismissive to the talent of Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, you know, we got to keep in mind that he did lead the league in rushing, so he's extremely talented and, and can do things that Darren McFadden or Alfred Morris can't do. Uh, but they, they got weapons. Like, let's not forget that these guys are surrounded by a ton of talent. You know, Dak Prescott had a great showing his rookie season, broke all kind of rookie records, and then – finds himself now as the starter, undoubtedly. So you got to envision 
Dak Prescott this year versus last year. Last year, he was a third-string quarterback. Kellen Moore was supposed to start after Tony Romo goes down. They bring in a third-stringer named Dak, and all of a sudden, he takes the world by storm. Now you fast-forward another offseason. He has a whole year to learn this playbook that Scott Linehan has. So instead of him taking it week by week last year, saying, hey, here's a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, now he's giving him the full entree. So you can go out there and work with the full playbook. You get the appetizer, the entree, and dessert. Do your thing. And not to mention Des Bryant, back healthy, looking good. Jason Witten, Hall of Famer. So to answer your question, I feel like they'll be okay. Now, will they be better with Zeke? Of course. I mean, every team is better with the superstar. But can they hold down the fort until Zeke gets back? Most definitely. And still be in contention to contend for a playoff spot and possibly a Super Bowl. Nate, it's good to hear from you, bro. I had a chance to see you, I think, where were we at uh, the Super Bowl, and we chatted for yep, half a yep. second. Uh, but good to see you on the show, man. You're doing a phenomenal job. Um, when when looking at Dak, of course, no one's going to give him all the credit in the world because they're looking more at the offensive lineman, but they're forgetting Tony Romo had that same offensive line. But everyone gave Tony Romo that respect. Mm, And when it comes to respect, uh, when it comes to a quarterback, Matthew Stafford, uh, he's been playing some of the best football of any quarterback with less consistently over the years and did even a better job without a Calvin Johnson this past mm. season, tell me how much credit should you give, whether it be the team around him or Matthew Stafford in a sense of how he approached every game since he's been the starting quarterback for the Detroit Lions? Because that's why I like talking to you, man. You said exactly what I was going to say. You hit it on the head, bro. Listen, Matt Stafford has done exactly what he's needed to do since he got in the league. He's improved year by year. Of course, when he first got in, he was somewhat of a gunslinger. But when you got that type of cannon of an arm, you're going to sit back and you're going to think you can make every throw. It takes a little bit of time for you to understand what throws not to make and having that discernment when delivering the rock. I think the biggest thing that you brought up was the fact that he got better after Calvin left. Now, it's not saying that Calvin Johnson you know, wouldn't make the Detroit Lions a much better team. Of course, we all know that. But it's the fact that when Calvin retired, he was able to spread the ball around. That was the ultimate question, right? Can, can he pass the ball to different individuals throughout the course of a game without having to need a Calvin Johnson or lean on a Calvin Johnson. Golden Tate went out there making plays, 1,000-yard receiver. Marvin Jones, 1,000-yard receiver. Eric Ebron finding his way as a tight end. You know, those are all questions that Matt Stafford has really had to answer himself. And, And let's keep in mind, he did all this last year, having all those great comebacks, comeback kid in the fourth quarter, overtime wins. Without a running attack, Amir Abdullah, Theo Riddick, these guys were banged up. He was doing this going into games where defense was saying, hey, we stopped Stafford, we stopped the Lions. And there were still times that they still couldn't stop Matt Stafford. So, uh, you know, him making that big contract, I mean, it's well-deserved. You know, in, in this day and age, you got to have the right timing. Um, you got to be healthy. And you got to be productive. You don't necessarily have to be a Super Bowl champion or the best at your position. But you got to be tops at your position. Now, the ultimate question is not really who gets the credit for Matt Stafford and him making such a big-time uh, leap and how much he's getting paid. It's when are you going to bring that ring to Detroit? Because more than anything, people have been waiting. Now, the ultimate validation for a guy getting a break-the-bait contract is one, you know, of course, getting the Pro Bowl nod and, and people praising you as one of the best in the game. But if you bring that ring home, if you come back to Michigan and you say, 
hey, Detroit, I did this for you, then all of a sudden there isn't a question about is he worth it. It's what do we need to do to keep him around for the rest of his career. As you know, Lion fans have been waiting since 1957, the curse of Bobby Lane. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Nate Burleson of NFL Network. Nate, you spent a lot of time in Southern California, so I want to make sure we cover the three late games on Sunday. Scott Tolzien gets the start for Andrew Luck as the Colts now have to move on without their franchise quarterback. If Luck misses several games with a shoulder injury, how much trouble are the Colts in? I believe they're in big trouble. You, you look at that Colts offense and you pay attention to the preseason without Andrew Luck. They struggle at the quarterback position. I believe it was two touchdowns total by the quarterbacks that they threw um, in the preseason. And what happened uh, as of last week, they trade for Jacoby Brissett, right? It's kind of a shocker when you think about them dealing away Brissett. That doesn't shock me as much because he hasn't really been that first-round pick that they've been waiting to take the league by storm and take the top off for coverages. So they deal him away uh, to the Patriots, which I feel like anybody that goes in a Patriots uniform is going to be a superstar. So let's just get ready to get our Patriots Dorset number um, in, in Jersey and put that in our closet because every single guy shows up and makes plays. But it's, it's the addition of Brissett. Why would they go out there and make that trade? Why would they go out there and pull away a quarterback that we've seen do good things in a Patriots uniform? I think that says more about their backup quarterback situation than it does about Andrew Luck and their starting quarterback situation. That's an insurance policy on top of the uncertainty they have of Scott Tolzien. And this is nothing against Tolzien. You know, he's, he's done a sufficient job to be the backup of Andrew Luck. But when you look at the preseason, I don't think everybody was satisfied in saying, all right, we're good. We're good with Tolzien until Luck is back. I even went as far on the network and said it on the show that you might see Jacoby Brissett in the coach uniform on the field before you see Andrew Luck back on the field as a starter. At 425 Eastern time, uh, the NFC as well as the National Football League's, uh, let's just say two best quarterbacks, two of the best quarterbacks in it, uh, in the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson and also the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers. Give me your take, because there's a debate about who's the best quarterback in the NFC. But when I look at these two teams, Seattle having to travel on the road to go to Green Bay, give me your take on that game and, and what the outcome's probably going to be. Green Bay, one of the toughest places to play. It's, it's, it's one of those places that, you know, just kind of captures you with the nostalgia. So you get caught up in, Know, the the rural feel of, of playing in Lambeau. But with all that said, you know, I, I can appreciate the fact you said there's a question about who's the best quarterback in the NFC. There's a question of who's the better quarterback in this game. Now, some may be listening to major out of your mind. It's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is absolutely the best. And I'm not mad if you believe that. But you got to give Russell Wilson credit. Last year, he banged up, had the ankle, and the MCL was still out there in pocket, delivering rocks, doing his thing. year before, remember when he got hot? And he had the hottest streak of any quarterback in that season. Um, and the latter he, part of that season, yeah. Now. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's back healthy. So for me, I feel like you have to have that question. And more than the other storylines of the wide receivers, the Legion of Boom, it's a head-to-head match. This is old school, who's a better player? And if you really think that I'm stretching, comparing Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are having them in the same conversation, just look at the rings they got. Yeah, Those guys got the same jewelry box. That one Super Bowl ring. Aaron Rodgers looking for another one. And, of course, Russell Wilson looking for another one. So, um, this is going to be a great matchup. I tip the scale to Seattle because I feel like the Legion of Boom can smother Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson that I feel like is one of the best duo 
combinations at the wide receiver position. And then Ty Montgomery, Ty Montgomery at the running back position for the Packers. I know he's good, and I know he's going back to a familiar position that he's played before. I'm not sold that he can hold down the fort up against the Legion of Boom. And then you look at the host of running backs that they got over there in Seattle. Um, you know, Thomas Rawls, post-size, Chris Carson, who was having an unbelievable preseason, a young fella doing his thing. There's just too many weapons that are back healthy. Earl Thomas healthy. Tyler Lockett healthy. Russell Wilson healthy. It's a lot of weapons for the Packers to deal with. Nate, always a pleasure. Keep it going on NFL Network. Have a great debut in the regular season for CBS on Sunday. But one week, I want to lay down this challenge for you and the crew on Good Morning Football. Do that show at 3 o'clock in the morning, my man, and do it for four oh. hours, and then call me after nine months, okay? <laughs> All right. You, okay, you're right, bro. You're right. You get the nod. I couldn't I, I let you have it. <laughs> Worked out so well for me. I'm working with Cornell now. Nate, we appreciate the time. Thank you, my friend. All right, fellas. Appreciate you having me. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Let TuneIn bring you home. With TuneIn's local radio browse feature, listen to live FM and AM radio stations from your home area as if you've never left town. Spend the day listening to your favorite stations and hosts, local news and talk shows, and familiar voices that you've grown to love. Or maybe you're missing that morning drive show that gets you to the office. Your go-to hip-hop station with special guest DJs. Or maybe sports talk about your favorite team. Then catch your hometown favorites with local radio on TuneIn. With TuneIn, you can go home again. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, with your fantasy fix from Brittingham T from Roto Radar. Brittingham, thanks so much for taking the time. Let's start with Ezekiel Elliott. Do you have any advice for someone who drafted him? He's going to start him on Sunday night, but may have to sit him for the next six games because of the suspension. Well, Brian and uh, Cordell, thanks for having us on. Um, basically, the situation with Zeke here is unique. We've never seen anything like this. The most comparable is the Tom Brady situation. But uh, this is a running back that uh, is a surefire first-round pick in fantasy I personally have steered clear in all my drafts, and uh, this is a spot where I don't think you can win your league in the first seven weeks of the season, but you can certainly lose it. So if you've drafted Zeke, you should be working the trade wire right now, looking at waiver wires, and basically finding plan B, because this is a suspension that was upheld, and at this point, you got to find another option. Now, on the flip side, when he does come back, he's going to have tremendous value because he's going to be fresh, he's got that offensive line, but for right now, it's definitely a unique situation. Knowing that touchdowns are a big part of fantasy football, who would you see as one of the top vultures to consider playing this season? You know, the funny thing uh, about uh, fantasy sports is the uh, TD vulture. And uh, there's not really a specific name that comes to mind when you ask that question. It's a good question. And uh, my top choice would have been Jonathan Williams of the uh, Buffalo Bills. But uh, we, of course, know he got cut, so now that job is all with Sean McCoy's. But uh, when you're looking at this and you're afraid of a uh, TD vulture, you're looking at teams like Green Bay Packers and Ty Montgomery, basically any small frame running back, they're not going to have him dive into the pile. They're going to find uh, another way to score that touchdown. They're going to draw up different plays. So teams like the Packers are infamous for this. Teams like the Saints, basically, if you're not – Having a three-down back that has a big body, you're a vulture candidate. 
It's the Fantasy Fix. Brian Weber, Cordell Stewart with you. Pleased to be chatting with Brittingham T from Roto Radar. Brittingham, what's your view of what's going on in Seattle? They have depth at the running back position, but Eddie Lacy dealt with all the injuries last year in Green Bay, and Thomas Rawls banged up coming back from his ankle issue. Yeah, that's uh, it's a messy situation for sure. I, uh, I've i steered clear of it, and uh, I would recommend you as well. If you are stuck investing in the Seattle running backs, one, it's a poor offensive line, and two, you've got Thomas Ross, who seems to always be dealing with some sort of injury, but he still managed to beat out Eddie Lacy for the starting job. So Thomas Rawls is the guy. I mean, they've got to establish a run at some point. At least they're going to try to. But uh, it's definitely a situation where if you can find another point, the Seattle running game is not something I would look to invest in. Um, Should we have any hesitation playing either Tyrod Taylor or Joe Flacco this weekend? You know, uh, it's a good question. Tyrod specifically, I'm not really worried about uh, his situation. He was uh, in the concussion protocol which means he's still been able to attend the, uh, you know, camp and go over the game plan. And I'm not really worried about Tyrod. He looks like he'll be full go this uh, Sunday. Joe Flacco, on the other hand, it's not really his fault that uh, I think he's going to be a little rusty here. He's a veteran. I'm not worried about him. But with his skill players like Rashad Perriman and Danny Woodhead also missing the preseason, and specifically Danny Woodhead, who's new to the team, It just can't go smoothly. There's no way you can roll them out on uh, Sunday and expect everything to click that first drive, that first quarter. But uh, overall, I'm not too concerned, especially uh, since they both have NFL experience. We were talking about tight ends earlier in the show. So we know about Gronk and we know about Travis Kelsey, who we'll see tomorrow night in the kickoff game. Beyond that, who's another player that really could come up big? Cordell's a big fan of Kyle Rudolph in Minnesota. Yeah, Rudolph, uh, he showed last season. Uh, he's definitely a guy you can trust. But, uh, you, you know, you want Gronk, you want Kelsey, but uh, I'm going to go all in here. I'm very bullish on Zach Ertz this season. I think since they moved Jordan Matthews there in Philly, this is a uh, a guy that I think is just going to be a reception monster. You know, they've got to Alshon Jeffrey on the outside. But, uh, for example, this weekend, Alshon's going to be shadowed by Josh Norman. Inside the hash marks, they got to move the ball passing. Zach Ertz is going to be peppered with targets. He's proven that he can catch the ball with double-digit receptions in multiple games last season. I love Zach Ertz. I'm all in on him. I know some people probably don't feel like these guys are very important, but I think this is a time that they very, they very much so are. But when drafting a kicker, kicker, what variables are you considering? You know, kickers are part of fantasy. It's uh, something you got to deal with, and they are the position that it's tough to predict because you can't really uh, establish what offense is going to fail on third down while still being able to get into the uh, opposing team's half. But the factors you want to look for, obviously the Denver kicker, any kicker playing in Denver that week with the thin air has an advantage. The ball just flies further. But uh, what I look for specifically is – Indoor kickers on high-powered offenses. The Saints kicker is somebody that comes to mind. The Falcons kicker. Basically, you want to take out any outside element, whether it's wind or just the cold weather. Indoor kickers on high-powered offenses, that's what you want.
Last one for me. As we think about what's going on with players having individual motivation, Adrian Peterson should be revved up as the Saints are in Minnesota on Monday night. We know all of the redemption he'll be looking for. But think about the scheme there, right? We know it's Drew Brees throwing the ball all over the field. Plus, Mark Ingram's in front of him. How do you see AP playing on Monday night? You know, this is going to be a very fun game to watch and uh, something we're going to have to really pay attention to. AP has not been a guy that uh, really has been a pass-catching back. He's with the Saints here. We don't know his role. You mentioned uh, Mark Ingram in front of him. You mentioned the offense basically runs through Drew Brees in his arm. This is a spot where you got to believe that the revenge narrative is real. I mean, uh, what are the odds that the first game out here he gets to face the Minnesota Vikings? And while I don't see him particularly having a monster game, you got to imagine any goal line carry. They're going to bring in Peterson and just tell him to smash it in. And I definitely think uh, it's it's going to be a thing. I mean, he's going to get his opportunity. This should be a decently high-powered offense. Even though Minnesota's defense is good, I expect uh, Peterson to get his. We appreciate the advice. As we wrap it up, I got into radio not only because I'm an egomaniac. I love language. you got to give me the backstory. Why are you Brittingham T? Well, that's... Uh, We've been working with uh, Rotor Radar. We are a DFS company. We focus on daily fantasy sports. Uh, if you have, ever have a chance, check us out. But Brittany MC is actually my Twitter handle. And when I first made my name way back in the day on the uh, on the on FanDuel and DraftKings, they uh, I, I was just trying to think of something. It's uh, my last name is Brittingham. My first name is Tom, and I just decided Brittany MC was the way to go. It just kind of stuck with me, and uh, it's just kind of been my brand ever since. And uh, I guess a little shout-out for myself. If you, <laughs> you want to get some fantasy sports knowledge and advice, uh, I tweet out every so often just random facts and uh, stats and updates at Bradenham T. I like it, my man. And I was just trying to think, was there a reason that we were going with the pseudonym? What was the story? Now we know it's last name first, first name last. Thank you. Do I call yeah. you Bradenham or T? Uh, most people just call me Britt, but I'll, I'll take anything. I definitely appreciate the time and uh, love your guys' show. All right, Britt. And, uh, look forward to working with you. Yeah, we'll, we'll chat with you in the future. Thank you. And, and I am always wanting to know why people go by certain monikers. Thank you, Brittingham. Yeah, thank you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Between game-winning drives and walk-off home runs, follow TuneIn Sports on social media and get the latest scoop on our great sports shows. From MLB at the plate to NFL No Huddle, be the first to know about upcoming interviews with some of the biggest stars in sports. Or check out behind-the-scenes coverage that you can't get anywhere else. Like us at TuneIn Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and keep up on all the latest news and happenings from around the world of sports. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. Tomorrow's headlines before they go to print. I've just been handed some great reporting. Tomorrow's questions before anyone's asked them. Could you make an obstruction case? Tomorrow's conversation tonight. Who is there to stand up to the boss and speak truth to power? Not a single person. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. More than the day that was, it's the day that will be. Weeknights at 11 Eastern on MSNBC. 
Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Cordell, as we close out the podcast today, let's welcome in James Trapp, the former NFL quarterback who is now the executive director of the NFL Legends community. James, thanks so much for taking the time and congratulations on being named executive director of the NFL Legends community. We have a great partnership with that initiative. What does the honor mean to you and what do you hope to achieve running this outstanding program? Well, I'm thankful to be on, guys. Uh, but really, you know, what we're trying to achieve is continuation of things that are already in place, you know, and then being boots on the ground to connect our players, you know, back to the resources that's available for them and also connect them back to their former team and teammates and definitely, uh, you know, continue to that relationship with the NFL, um, continue to drive that home. James, you know, other than playing against you, now having a chance to talk to you on air, it's a, it's a different place, but good to hear from you. Um <laughs> To be a part of of, of uh, the Legends community, uh, you were in the game at one point in time, and you knew what was lacking from the standpoint of that type of a community, meaning that you're making guys relevant again, not just on the field, but also bringing back the relevance of the things that they did and also how he can help that community grow even more to have that family away from the game that he once loved. What does that mean to you to obviously be the director of that, that uh, part of the Legends committee? Well, you know, Cordell, you know, it means a lot. You know, it means a lot um, to come full circle, basically, uh, in the NFL. You know, starting out in the 93, in the 90s, and then kind of working my way through. But to be back in place. And the biggest thing, Cordell, is that we're able to, you know, continue this legacy of of, of uh, excellence within the NFL. You know, and to tie guys back into um, the, the league office and, and with each other, man, is just awesome. You know, there are a lot of benefits to uh, – to the Legends community right now that, you know, I myself wasn't even aware of until I started paying more attention and, you know, being more involved on the administrative side of the NFL. So it's awesome just to uh, have this opportunity and this platform to help, you know, drive home again, you know, that connection and and, and um, um, availability to the players so that they, they don't feel like they're left out there because there's a lot of resources out there for us right now. And um, I want the guys to tap into them and, and feel confident that, you know, the league is doing its very best by them and for them. James Trapp is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. James, I remember when you played, you were the fastest man in football. You were also a very physical player, certainly playing to the echo of the whistle. What changed in your life on the way to becoming the team chaplain for the Atlanta Falcons? Well, you know, that transition happened from the Raiders to the Ravens. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we had a chaplain. We had a priest at the Raiders. We had a chaplain at, at the Ravens. And, um, you know, I just really didn't feel like I needed anything when I was younger. You know, as I got older and wiser, you know, I kind of leaned on that chaplain and kind of helped change my life. And then also in the locker room, you know, I had Rod Woodson and Harry Swain. Um, you know, those guys I kind of knew from the league, from the experience, and seeing their lives had changed. I was like, man, maybe it's a chance for me to, uh, you know, rewrite some things. And, you know, I, I'll never look back on that. That was, um, that was a great opportunity for me to change and grow as a man, as a player, you know, and um, I'm thankful for uh, the journey I've been on this for. Who have you reached out to so far, James, when it comes down to those players you're, you're trying to, to get in touch with, to be, have them a part of the fraternity again in a sense, to, to let them know, you know, there's a place for them to – to come hang out, so to speak, and, and, and get caught back up into 
the game that they once loved by not just playing the game, but again, uh, by just communicating with their fellow uh, brothers that they had an opportunity to play with or play against? I started last night. You know, we got a chance to go to New England up there with the Patriots, man, got a chance to see their alumni club, and we got to speak to their group. You know, but I have five directors that I'm going to be touching base with. I've already touched base with Ed Reynolds. I was actually with him last night. And then Donovan Darius, you know, which is interesting about Donovan Darius is I was a player coach with the Jacksonville Jaguars my, my last year in the league, so we have a real good relationship. And then I've spoken with Max Strong and Leonard Wheeler, um, and then I've, let, I've yet to speak with Chad Pennington. He's another director. And then we have like 16 coordinators that work under each one of those guys. So I'm going to be reaching out to those 16 coordinators, reaching out again to my directors, and then what we'll do is just kind of go forward um, with, you know, touching base with players. You know, I have a uh, lunch, I have a laundry list of things I want to get done and I, I need to get done, and then I have a, a list of guys that I still stay in contact with um, just from my playing days. And I won't be remiss to, to uh, remember my old high school teammate, who's also a director, is uh, Will Shields. So, you know, I'm really excited about uh, – you know, this opportunity, Cardell, and, and I'll be reaching out to you as well because you're a former player. Yes, sir. And Will Shields, great friend of the program, going to join us tomorrow here on the NFL on TuneIn, chatting with James Trapp, executive director of the NFL Legends community. James, a couple years ago, you were the assistant director of player engagement for the Bills. What did you take away from that experience? You know, I really took away from just learning about the administrative portion of the NFL. You know, and player engagement is like the human resources for the underworld. You know, you, you, you're tapped into every division, every department on that team, you know, and you're dealing primarily with the players. And, you know, that really gave me a great insight to what, the, what, the, what was needed and what's needed still. And then, you know, how to better um, implement certain um, programming that, you know, guys need coming in the game while they're in the game and when they're leaving the game. So, you know, I'm really excited about this opportunity, uh, being a chance to revitalize some guys that may not be attached to the league, and then also staying in touch with guys that are on their way out of the league, you know, because we, um, we have about nine affinity groups that are attached to this that can help give guys um, a great transition out of the league as well as coming in the league, you know. So I'm excited about the whole opportunity. When you think of the NFLPA, that's a lot of players currently uh, who either – is a part of the NFLPA for us being a spokesperson for their teams or guys who were a part of a team at some point in time that actually is on the board? Do you deal with them heavily uh, when it comes down to trying to grab a few players uh, to get that assistance and help to make sure they grab that you guys grab the right people so that you can have them a part of the Legends community? Yes, that's going to be a, a part of me is just really getting a chance to sit down with each one of the infinity groups, NFLPA being, being a, a large part of that, sitting down with them, Saying where our guys are, what guys are outspoken, what guys we could use to um, help build this platform, you know, a little broader and a little wider, you know. So I'm really excited about the opportunity to sit down with those guys over there, and you know, I got I know a lot of people over there already, so it's going to be great. James, we have a lot of former players listening to this show. What would you say to somebody who might feel removed from our sport and is looking for some support, some assistance? Well, there's a couple things I want. Two things I really want to hit home with is. They need to sign up, you know, sign up for your uh, uh, Legends community. You can sign up on NFL.com backslash Legends. That's NFL.com backslash Legends. And also, they can follow us on, on social media. You know, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, also LinkedIn. So it's not hard to find. It's not hard to reconnect. It's just a matter of 
our guys, you know, reconnecting, willing to reconnect. And, um, you know, I'm going to be calling them. You know, I, I'm going to have a list of phone numbers, and I'm going to be on the phone every day reaching out to guys, see where they are, see how we can help, um, driving them back to the website so they can see all the benefits and the resources that are available to them uh, right now where they are. James, we appreciate the information. As we say goodbye, Cordell's always lecturing me about how fast his 40 time was at the Combine. Let's go back in the day. Vintage Cordell versus vintage James Trap. Who wins in a race straight up? Straight up, I'm backpedaling and I'm going to definitely <laughs> You know, I let him have that one. He can have that one. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I let him have that one. Ain't nothing wrong with it. I'm going to backpedal, Cordell, and I'm still going to win. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. But you know what? I made a lot of people on that Baltimore Ravens team mad at me when I played against John. You know it. It was a lot of frustration, a lot of game planning. And Ray Lewis was the main one who came up to me and told me, he said, hey, man, you know what? Having to go against you and cover you. He said, that was a big problem. I said, yeah, because then all of a sudden you had Jerome coming out of backfield. Or you had Tim Lester coming out of backfield. So that's fine. As long as I have help from them. Or you know, James, you can have it. Or high, that's, right. <laughs> that's right, man. But good talking with you, James. We appreciate it. Congratulations on having the opportunity to be at the tops when it comes down to getting those guys in, uh, in check and, and having them come around to, to reunite again, uh, not just in the game, but outside the game to try to bring back those old memories again. Yes, I thank you for that. And it's, uh, it's always a pleasure, Cordell. Like I said, I'll be reaching out to you. Okay, bro. Thank appreciate you, James. That. We appreciate the information. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.